0: Hi, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. It's going to be a little bit different today. We're going to talk about the family line, the family tree. Uh, There's this clear bridge from Ruth to Matthew. The reason that I chose the Gospel of Matthew to immediately follow the book of Ruth is that the two actually share text. The closing text in the book of Ruth appears in the opening text in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. Could not be any more obvious of a bridge to show that the Old Testament is linked to the New Testament, that the Old Testament is the context, the foundation for the New Testament. In uh, the story of Ruth, we come to this closing genealogy, all right, that uh, these are the family records of Perez. That's that's Ruth chapter four, verse 18, that Perez fathered Hezron, Hezron fathered Ram, Ram fathered. Aminadab, uh, Aminadab feathered Nashon, and so on, right? That this, uh, this passage is going to show up again in Matthew's gospel. I wanted to talk a little bit about now the family line because it's going to lead to David eventually. This is different from the genealogy we're going to study at the beginning of Matthew. We'll talk more about that next week, actually. But for today, I want to talk about Boaz and Ruth and their son, Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse for whom I'm named as a family line, uh, as a family name in my family, the name of Jesse. Uh, it's so funny, man. If you were to look at my name, Jesse, and my a lot of my son's names, like Austin's middle name is Elijah. I have a son named Asher. I have another son named Asa. Like you would think that we, like you look at that and say, is this a, is this a Jewish family with a Scottish last name? Because we have a lot of Hebrew names, but Jesse has multiple sons. His sons are Eliab, Abinadab, Shemiah, Nathanael, Redai, Ozim, Zeruiah, David, all right? And then another daughter named Abigail. Zeruiah and Abigail are uh, Jesse's daughters. But David is the youngest son. And then in this patriarchal society, we measure the family line through the, through the men. So there's a clear line from Boaz to Obed to Jesse to David. And then David has multiple wives. Okay, again, this is never prescribed by God, but it is something that God uh, the, the God would even redeem. For example, uh, David has a wife named Michal. I see in, in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 27, that's where we first see uh, uh, David and his wife uh, Michal, or Michael. Uh, he has another wife named Ahinoam, another wife named Abigail. Then there's these other women too, like Makah and Haggith and Abital and Eglah. We're not really sure, uh, we're not sure if, 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 Makah and Haggith and Abital are his wives. But we do know he has another wife named Agla. And through Agla, he has another son named Ethrium. Now, he has concubines as well. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, he does father other sons through them. Um, and he has other wives who aren't named. Like in, in 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 2 Samuel 12, 25, we can see that that's how he, that's how he has his, his daughter Abigail and nine other sons. See second Samuel chapter five, verses 13 through 15, as well as first Chronicles uh, chapter three, verses six through nine, chapter 14, verses three through seven. But Bathsheba is where the family line is going to continue. The story of Bathsheba is one of sin, which God brings about repentance. And in that repentance brings about redemption, redemption and life that eclipses utterly even the murder and the scandal and the sin whereby the marriage came about. David was not where he's supposed to be in the time when kings go off to war. David stays behind. He sees Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop. We never blame Bathsheba for this. David's the one responsible for his own lust. He has her her husband Uriah killed. And then they have this son who dies and it's judgment from God. It's tragic. It's terrible. But there's this other son who's born, who has this prophecy around him. We've gone from Boaz to Obed to Jesse to David. And now there's this other son to be born. And it said that his throne would never end. It's huge, right? That's eternal in scope. Is, is David going to have an immortal son? Like, How does this really work? Well, that son turns out to be Solomon. Now, Solomon, at first is a really promising guy, he's given all the wealth in the world, he's given all the wisdom in the world, but he ends up becoming a huge creep. Nonetheless, it is through the line of Solomon that Jesus would be born, according to Matthew, chapter one, verses six through 16. Boaz, Obed, Jesse, David, Solomon, and then through the line of Solomon would come the Christ. So even in these initial generations from Boaz to Obed, we don't know a whole lot else about Obed. And then we meet Jesse. We do see Jesse come up in the book of Samuel, the books of first and second Samuel. All right, we see that he's the father of these men and and Samuel is like this guy who kind of serves as the final judge and the first prophet. He's kind of this linchpin whereby the era of the judges comes to a close and now the monarchy of Israel begins they didn't know this at the time boaz and ruth did not foresee this what they knew was jair j-a-i-r what they knew was that the the judges were presiding and were in power but their grandson jesse would speak with the final judge they're just a couple generations away from the era of the judges coming to a close and then it's Samuel who kind of would act as a judge and then also would be the first prophet. He's a judge who made prophecy, so you can see kind of serves as this this hybrid role, but he's also the one through whom the anointing of God is placed upon David, the youngest of Jesse's sons and the great-grandson of Ruth and Boaz. Um, man, it's really, really cool because David is the runt of the litter. Solomon is leading a life riddled with scandal. David himself would also fail us in more ways than one. Boaz and Ruth's marriage almost didn't come about. In fact, it, it it came about necessarily because of Elimelech leaving Bethlehem, going to Moab, dying, his sons Maclon and Kilion dying, and then them coming over to Bethlehem. I mean, wow, the number of close calls where the messianic line almost wasn't is astounding from Boaz to Obed to Jesse to David to Solomon, all the way through to the Christ is this parade of imperfect people. We're gonna talk more about this, but that parade continues today in that you likewise have inherited the legacy that was brought about by the covenant from God through Abraham now that is available to all nations, to everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. You and I are just the latest in this long line of imperfect people. The legacy seems fragile from our perspective. Wow, what if Ruth had gathered another field? What if Jesse didn't have the son David? What if Samuel never spotted David? What if? Uh, what about Solomon, how he tarnished the image of it all? Like we, we look at it and it almost seems fragile, but it's actually in perfect hands. Like God is sovereign generation to generation. He knew what he was doing. He was bringing about redemption through Jesus, all the way back in the story of Ruth and Boaz. It was never fragile from God's perspective. Redemption was always on the way and God always knew about it. Now, how does that affect the way that you pray to God for deliverance?